Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. He is Frodo Baggins. I'm Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> and then my partner is Samwise Gamgee. I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. We just looked at Rubes, who was a baby that never cried. And we fell in love with him and he became the centre of our universes, really. This week we're talking to brothers Manny and Reuben Coe. Living with Rubes is almost like living in a fancy dress box. <laughs> I love you too, Reuben. <laughs> and with the help of our sponsors, Find My Past, we'll be delving a little further back into our guests' family history. Wow. Do you know so who's going to be really fascinated is my dad, because that's his grandmother. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Manny and Reuben were born in Leeds, 10 years apart. There are two other brothers, but Reuben, who has Down syndrome, has spent many years living with Manny and Manny's partner. Manny and Reuben wrote a book called Brother Do You Love Me during lockdown, detailing Reuben's breakdown in a care home. We talk about that, about fancy dress, about owning your diagnosis and what it's like to have a sibling with additional needs. Reuben doesn't talk much since being unwell, but he does whisper a bit, so listen carefully. I recorded this episode on video and she'll share some clips on Twitter at relatively underscore pod. We started the conversation, though, talking about the challenges Reuben's mum faced as a mother of four boys. Just as she was going through that horrible time that mothers go through, the, the dreaded M word, um, my dad was working in residential care and was sleeping in three times a week. Uh, we refer to it as the yogurt throwing period. Why is that? <laughs> <laughs> when, when we used to drive my mum to such despair that she used to throw yogurts at us. <laughs> did, did your mum ever throw a yogurt at you, Ruben? <laughs> did you not <laughs> Ruben's always been an angel <laughs> I've done enough podcasts with enough brothers and sisters to know that that is rarely the actual truth um, mm. so can you remember then Manny when Ruben came along 10 years you were quite a big boy when he was born yeah I remember when Rubes came along it was 24th of September 1983 there was this weird sadness around Ruben's birth that we didn't understand mm. as children you know, when Nathan was born, it was a celebration and it was all champagne and flowers. When Reuben was born, it was all hushed silences and whispers and we were ushered away to a friend's house. And as a child, your parents' worry is really profoundly destabilising, I think, because you're used to your parents being your parents. Okay, they might be throwing yogurts when they get cross, but generally they, <laughs> they manage stuff. And when they're worried to the extent that you think this is a different order of worry it's quite upsetting as children i think yeah i remember we were in an attic of some friend's house in headingley leeds and there were three three boys sort of squirreled away <laughs> and we had those little chats after lights out you know what's happening 
Is he okay? We'd been told by Dad that Reuben had a learning difficulty and that we were going to have to learn with him. So it's not that we were kept in the dark, but it was, you know, at crucial moments, Mum and Dad weren't with us to answer our questions, so we were very confused. Rubes was kept in observation for 48 hours, and on day three, a doctor knelt by Mum's bed, you know, amazing bedside manner. She always remembers how gentle he was, and he said, we're 95% sure that your baby has Down syndrome. The first words she said was, I told you, looking at my dad, because it was her fourth pregnancy, and she realized that something was different. Mm. And my dad said, how interesting. <laughs> those those were his first words. Hmm. I think that's very interesting that, you know, as a mum, when you've carried a baby, you do know your baby before it's born. Sure. I mean, it's not my podcast or my episode, but when my first baby was born, I was like, oh, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was you. So maybe yeah. your mum felt the same, Ruben. She's like, oh, it was you. I knew. She knew. She had a, some, she had a somewhat of a premonition when she was pregnant with Rubes. She saw a mother in an allotment in Headingley, Leeds, ca- coming towards her, carrying a baby with Down syndrome. And she asked herself a question, am I ready to have a baby like that? And she decided at that moment that she was. How interesting. Yeah. Your, your parents were churchgoers, right? Was that part yes. of it, do you think? Yes, I'm sure it was. Mum was offered the test and she's kind of threw the doctor out the room when, when he even suggested it. Um, wouldn't have even crossed her mind. And I'm very glad that it didn't because otherwise I'd be without my booba, wouldn't I? <laughs> nicknames <laughs> are a big thing in your family, right? So you've yeah. got Reuben becomes booba. What other nicknames are, is there for you, Reuben? What other, what other names do people call you? Frodo. <laughs> they have Reuben has so many nicknames, don't you, Reuben? He's oh, Reuben. He's signing from the ring, Lord of the Ring. Yeah, he is Frodo Baggins. <laughs> I'm Gandalf the Grey. Yep. And then my partner is Samwise Gamgee. I like that. There's a whole narrative around it. Yeah, there is. But yeah, we've always called Reuben. We've called him Bond, <laughs> the Reubenator, Boobalicious. <laughs> so, which one's your favourite, though? Do you like the one from Lord of the Rings best or do you like Boobar best? Which is your favourite? Both. He likes both. Both. <laughs> and when, Catherine, when, you were, when we were talking about Down syndrome, then Reuben was signing to me. Oh, yeah. Recently, actually. But he's decided to rename it, haven't you, Reuben? Can you tell Catherine what you'd like it to be called? Not Down syndrome, but... Up. Up syndrome. Up syndrome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, I'm very aware. Does Rubes mind us talking about him like this and referring to his condition? And we've spoken about it. As I was writing the book, I had to ask his permission to talk about certain things. And we only call it Down syndrome because of John Langdon Down, the doctor who categorized disabilities. And we always say, you know, what a shame he wasn't called John Langdon Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then it would be called amazing syndrome. <laughs> or extra for the extra chromosome you've got. Or extra, there you go. Extra extra syndrome. That's a good one, isn't it? So when um, Bubar came home then, you were taken out of your friend's attic and you went back to your family home. And then there must have been the car seat or the carry cot as it was back in the day and the baby came home. Can you remember the first bits of Ruben's life with you three big boys? Yeah, I can remember it. it Mum was very sore. She, it was an emergency section. We had an incredible... Oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> she's cutting. Ruben's signing the scissors. <laughs> 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 I 
and um you know amazing community that just left hot pots and casseroles and lasagnas on the door i just remember being very quiet everything was very quiet mum and dad were very hushed we were told to be very hushed as as children and we just looked at rubes he was a baby that never cried and we fell in love with him and he became the center of our universes really Mm. And I, I love the fact we talked about your mum's reaction to the kind doctor at the hospital, but your dad's reaction was to tell you boys, you know, how interesting, A, but also to tell you boys, you know, we've got a new brother. We're going to have to learn along with him. I love yeah. that because it's yeah. not like um, it's not like the world's upended in any way. It's like, oh, here's a new perspective and we're going to get on board with it. Totally. And I remember as a family, Reuben made us feel special because we didn't have any peers at that time who had a sibling with Down syndrome. And we felt special, as if we'd been chosen as a family. And actually, I mean, Rube did turn our life downside up, we say. <laughs> and um, Dad, two years after Rube was born, Dad went from being a truancy officer to working full-time with the mentally and physically disabled. Oh, wow. So he learned from him too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We really did, didn't we? You're a so good teacher, Rube's. <laughs> yeah, I get that. From the book and the other interviews I've seen, I get that. And so you're the baby then, Ruben. What does what's it like being the baby of four brothers? I, I love my my mummy. And, and what about your big brothers? What are they like? I love them. I love them all. You love them all. We look after you, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> We've always made sure Rubes has fun. Living with Rubes is almost like living in a fancy dress box. <laughs> and you just never know what's going to happen. We're on tour now for the book and we have a nun's outfit with us. We have a Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat and a massive billowing silver cape. I so in a minute would like you to go and get at least one of those so I can see them because I'm a huge dressing up fan. I'll go and get, I'll <laughs> yeah, go and get, get, the, get, get Rubens' um, <laughs> multicolored dream coat. Um, so... Let's fast forward then. You've got this baby that came home who you all learnt from, a quiet baby who was an angel who never got yoghurt thrown at him because he was too good, yeah. <laughs> who brings a lot of joy and it's like being in a carnival or a theatre. And then the book that you've written is about a time that was very far away from fun and theatre and carnival time. It was the pandemic time, which was, let's face it, thumbs down. Yeah. I've lived in Spain for 22 years and Ruben had lived with me for seven years, living his brightest and sunniest years, I think. Really healthy, really fun. He used to cycle around on a little tricycle. We lived oh. in a place called San Pedro de Alcantara near Marbella. Nice. And there was a strong British community there. So Ruben was, was okay because they understood him. He, he's never really grasped Spanish. But he was going to the gym by himself, going for his menu del día, his midday menu. Ooh. And then we moved to the country, which was ideal for us and wasn't ideal for Rubes. It's been difficult, Catherine, you know, juggling my life and my needs and my partner's needs and dreams and desires with Rubens. And there's always a debate there, you know, who do you live your life for? I wasn't happy on the coast. It was sort of sangria in the sun not my scene at all and I was becoming unhappy myself and it's the classic you know you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before putting on somebody else's 
my partner and I had a conversation one day and he said, well, where do you want to live? And I said, I want to live in an old house in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by olive trees. Oh, yeah. that, was, that was my dream. And we found this little house. And Rubes was very, very happy for three years. And then one summer we were both away working a lot. We had people in the house looking after Rubes, but they weren't professionals. Gradually, without us really being aware, Rubens' care started to slip. Mm. And he started to feel isolated. And then a massive catalyst was one night, a huge storm came through our area, you know, massive biblical storm. And Ruben was in our side of the house by himself oh. and spent the entire night petrified. Must have been um, really scary, Ruben. Was it scary? Yeah. Storms are scary, I think. Mum mm. had three missed calls at three o'clock in the morning, didn't she, babes? I think at that point, fear entered Ruben. Ruben's never been afraid of anything, really. And in hunting down the roots of Ruben's breakdown, because yeah. that's what happened later, the only thing I can really put my finger on is the storm. So, yeah, just after that, the, on a very hot day, we were out and Ruben's had a physical and emotional breakdown, didn't you, babe? Mm. We don't like to talk about that day, do we? No, let's not. We don't have to. It's no, fine. it was a very scary moment. You know, seeing someone you love so dearly literally crumble before yeah. you. And then from that moment on, Ruben became nonverbal. He had what's called a regression and he became locked in. The trauma of it. Yeah. And I wonder, you know, your mum got the phone call, Ruben, you phoned mum in the morning, in the middle of the night, but your brother had been looking after you until then. I, I wonder about being the sibling of someone with particular needs who needs to be looked after in a way that uh, means that you need to balance all of those things you were talking about, Manny, your partner's needs, your needs, your brother's needs. A lot of people do have that ingredient in their family where they're balancing those needs like that. And it's something that I don't think is talked about as adult siblings too much. No, I think you're right. What's incredible is that my partner, Jack, in the book, you know, his commitment to Ruben is as, as deep as mine. Oh. And I didn't think there was a time in my life when Ruben was with me in Spain that I didn't think it possible to meet somebody who would not only accept me and all my crazy ways, but <laughs> also accept that Ruben was part of my package. And actually, you know, I had met a couple of guys before who, as soon as they realized Ruben was part of the equation, it was, you know, bye. Yeah. And Jack, has never even questioned it, has he? No. And Reuben and him are hobbits. On the first weekend they spent together, it was raining, and they went through the whole trilogy of The Lord of the Rings <laughs> and decided that they were hobbits. And from that day on, have called each other Samwise Gamgee and Frodo Baggins. What's Jack like then, uh, Reuben? How would you describe him? I, th I think he's got short hair. I think he's got short hair. He's got short hair. <laughs> is he is he fun or kind or silly? I love him. You love him. Yeah. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. 
This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. In 1921, England and Wales were reeling from the Great War, and it shows in the census entries of surviving soldiers. Retired Army officer Harold Samuel Alpen apologised for typing his form, explaining that he lost half his right hand in the late war and cannot write properly. Another former serviceman simply wrote, Ruined by war, in the section for occupation. How much do you know about your parents' and grandparents' lives in peacetime? Find out in the 1921 census, exclusively available online at findmypast.co.uk. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. The book does go through the difficult times when Reuben was back in the UK in a care home during the actual, you know, throes of the pandemic. Mm. How did he get from Spain, where he'd had the the scary day and the scary night, yeah. to the care home in England? Yeah, good question. So Reuben had the breakdown in Spain September 2018. Mm. He went to my parents until February 2019. Then Jack took on his care for nine months and, and did a heroic effort, made a heroic effort and almost got Rubes back to normal. Mm. And then, you know, he had to put his hand up and say, we've yeah. got this far, but I can't do this any longer. So he went back to my parents. And I think when Ruben went back to my mum and dad's, he saw it as an easy opportunity to slip back. And they treated him like a, like a baby. He started calling them mummy and daddy. He'd never called them mummy and daddy. He'd always called them mum and dad. Yeah. So we intervened and said, right, okay, it's not the ideal place for Ruben to be with his parents. And that's a difficult decision for, for me to make. And it's also very difficult for my parents to accept. Mm. And also we wanted Ruben to gain independence away from mum and dad. So mm. that that transitional stage, when they do move on, bless them, Ruben is already established in a new community because if if he was living with them when that happened, I think it would be really difficult for him, much mm. more difficult. And my parents may understand that and agree with that. So we moved Ruben into a care home and then the pandemic hit. Mm. I was stuck in Spain with Jack. Mum and dad were stuck. They were allowed to go and see him, but only wave at him through his bedroom window from the car park. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. And Ruben was completely cut off from everybody he'd ever known and everybody he'd ever loved. And this is when Rube's really helter-skelters into a very deep, dark place. There's an awful photograph taken by a very good photographer, Eddie Pierce, 
who documented Ruben in the care home for a local project. And when I saw that image, you know, my bro, my wingman is just, he's not, it's not him. Yeah. It, it was almost unrecognizable. And I knew that he was in a bad way. And then later that year, I came back to see him in the summer when I was allowed to. We visited him, visited him every day for 46 days, but he was really bad. He was mm -hmm. not in a good way. I had, I had to go back to Spain for work. And then it was in November of that year that I get the text message. Yeah. Um, Can you tell Catherine what the text message said, Ruth? Papa, do you love me? Thank you. Thanks, Ruth. I know that's a big effort. I really appreciate it. Well done, Thank Ruth. Thank you. Yeah, worst message I've ever received, I think. Because he knows I love him. And I, so I didn't see it as a question. <laughs> I love you too, Papa. <laughs> But I didn't see it as a question. I, there is no question mark at the end of it. And I showed it to Jack and I said, look what Boobas just sent me. What do I do? And he said, you know what you have to do. You have to just go on a plane and go and rescue him. What a man. What a man. What a man to let me go on a one-way ticket when we didn't know how long it was going to take. And he said to me, you know this is not going to be a quick fix, don't you? And I said, yeah, I know. And are you still okay with me going? And he said, of course I am. You know, we have to get our Frodo back. Oh. So it was an it was a rescue mission. And that message, I really saw it as an SOS. Uh, I saw it as a Reuben trying to communicate to me and actually doing it very effectively. I don't know how much longer I can hold on for. You need to come and get me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I broke him out of, of the care home, which was a very risky thing in itself. I was paranoid that I'd might bring the horrible COVID into his life. He was on the extremely vulnerable list. I self-isolated for 10 days in Gibraltar and then came through that travel corridor, picked Ruben up from his home, sort of a transaction. Mm. Kara was wearing PPE. I had to sign for him and his medicine and then get in a higher car and speed off. I mean, I remember I, I drove away from that place so fast, I wheel spun. <laughs> on my way out your heart must have been going like the clappers like the yeah. whole thing is like heisty and weird and yeah you know thinking back on it now it's a crazy time it was a crazy time and Ruse and I went to a cottage in the deepest darkest Dorset where we didn't know anybody we didn't have any friends we weren't allowed to see anybody anyway were we Ruse? we ended up forming a bubble with Ruben's dance therapist get this she so sacrificially formed a bubble with us Wow. So that she could come to the cottage and uh, work on Ruben's movement. Because he wasn't, wasn't just closed down emotionally and psychologically. He was closed down physically. He hadn't been touched for three months. Oh, that's very, very hard. Yeah. And he's such a huggy, touchy-feely person, aren't you, Ruben? He's such a cuddle bear. Gives the best <laughs> hugs in the whole wide world. I read in an article that you said about writing the book, which you started sort of doing while it was still ongoing. And it's still, you know, things are still ongoing always. But I read that you were writing it because you had a belief in the narrative arc. <laughs> like if I'm writing a story yeah. and I know Ruben's pictures in there from other storybooks, yeah. that somehow means that there'll be a happy ending because that's the way the storybooks go. So you were kind of yeah. willing that into existence. And that yeah, really no, moved absolutely. me. I started writing it in February when, for me, that was the toughest month 
after Christmas, New Year. I mean, Christmas was a was a washout anyway, but there still wasn't a solution. We didn't know where Ruben was going to live. So yeah, when I started writing it in February, just as what you said, you know, these all the Aslan and the Lion King and the lampposts and wardrobes from Narnia started appearing in Ruben's drawings and he gave me one every single day. He would give me a drawing. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing them as a collective and there was something happening. There was something shifting, wasn't there, Rubes? One of our sayings was, Aslan is on the move. I love that. (laughs) As winter started to dissipate and the weather got better and the days got longer, Ruben was improving. He was walking more. His diet had improved so he was stronger he wasn't talking at this stage, but there was there were chinks of possibility. And yes, I got hold of them, this narrative and I, I was writing it in real time and I wanted there to be a happy ending. So this whole podcast is all about, you know, brothers and sisters, siblings, nuclear family, what goes on in the home if you share a home with your siblings. Um, but our sponsors are Find My Past, who are interested in all family stories and family stories going way back. And as part of this podcast, um, they have done some research on your family tree, which I think is exciting. Um, And one of the stories they found is is quite a tragic one. And it's about, uh, I think, your maternal grandmother, Ada Ellen Beaumont. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, So in 1921, which is the census that Find My Past have recently digitised, Ada was living with her grandparents and her mother, Ellen, um, but her father wasn't with them. Now, their dad, the father, was in the army. Do you know much about him? Go on. Oh, dear, I'm shaking a little bit. (laughs) Um, Robert George Beaumont served as a private in the 22nd Battalion of the Manchester Regiment during World War I um, and died just a few days after his son was born. Um, So he never met his son, which is really sad. And it's got here the details of the battle that he died at. I wonder if you know much about that. No, I don't. So he he died during the battle of, and my pronunciation's not going to be good, Broodsender, which proved to be the most successful Allied attack of the Third Battle of Ypres. What's really beautiful about um, these bits of research is that unfortunately most of his military records were damaged and they're now part of the collection known as the burnt records from the National Archives but touchingly and I've got here to share with you there's a few snippets that survive it almost looks like it's damaged by fire and one of them is the receipt that Ellen would have got and would have signed from the army when his personal effects were returned from Ypres to the family. So Ellen would have, is my great-grandmother. Yes, that's right. Well, I knew that Ada, Nana, we used to call her, lived in Norwich. I knew that, that she never really knew her father, that her father died very, very young. And that's, already, that's always been a bit of part of the legacy of our family. You know, the idea of missing fathers. So, yeah, I knew about that, but I had no idea about these details. Wow. This is Nana Rubes. This, yeah, Nana Co from Norwich. Rubes is nodding. This is all about Nana. Isn't that amazing? Do you know so who's going to be really fascinated is my dad. That was, that's because that's his grandmother. Amazing. I'm going to call him right now as soon as we finish. So it, it's not 
sort of the end yet because I don't think life ever really ends, it just evolves. But tell me how things are now. You're obviously on a book tour for this beautiful book and you're spending amazing time together. It looks like you're having a sort of extended <laughs> brother road trip. Yeah. Um, but where are we now? What's going on? Um, when we were scrambling for options and I had to get back to Spain, I had to get back to Jack, I had to get back to my my life, my world, my people, my friends, my my job. Yeah. Um, money was running out. I run a travel business and we had to sell one of our vehicles. You know, I'd lost my team because of the pandemic. I had to go and piece my life back together again. Mm. I remember calling social services and they said, and I said, there must be something that we haven't thought of. And then she said, well, there is this place that I told you about weeks ago, but it's not where you are. It's uh, it's in the north of the county. So at this stage, I was quite desperate. And I thought, let's just go up there. So we drove, Rubes and I drove up there. We didn't actually go and see the facility, but we saw the town and we had pity pity chicken wraps in the railway gardens. Do you remember, Rubes? Mm. <laughs> we just really liked this town. It was very Ruben-like. There were charity shops that sold DVDs. Rubes is, you know, he has a tick, tick sheet of things that he needs in his life. One of them is charity shops that sell DVDs. I love charity shops. Yep. There was a theatre, tick. There was a pub, tick. There was a cafe, tick, that sells really good Eccles cakes. And another one that sells really amazing brownies. If I could have designed a town for Ruben to exist in, it would be pretty close to this one. Applied for the place... And there were 17 places. There were only four left, you know. So we were all, again, losing sleep because had he not got the place, then where we, what would we have done? Yeah. And it was decided that Ruben was going to be awarded a place. It really felt fortuitous that that we we got that home for Rubes and it became his house. He signed the tenancy agreement. They gave him his keys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet that felt really cool having your own place. Was it? Were you happy when they decided that you could live there, Ruben? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Ruben is so brave. One of the early earliest reviews of the book was by Caroline Sanderson from the bookseller, and she actually came to visit us at Ruben's house. And uh, she wrote this line that I will never forget: that Ruben is as brave and courageous as the lions he loves to draw. <laughs> I said a little while ago that perhaps not enough is understood about what it is to be grown up siblings like you guys. What would you want people listening to this podcast, which is about siblings, all kinds of siblings, and goodness knows I've come across almost every kind of sibling. <laughs> what is it that you'd want someone to know about having a sibling like Ruben or a sibling who might have extra needs and that balancing and that love? I wouldn't be without him. I don't know where I'd be without my Rubes. He's taught me how to slow down. He's taught me how to be non-judgmental and in a crazy world Ruben is so stable and when I spend time with him like as you mentioned before Catherine this we're on a six-week brother tour around England and Wales and I'm treasuring every minute I get to spend with him because ideally you know this would be my life and it's very hard for me to see Rubes as happy as I am I miss him and I will always encourage him to be as independent as possible. But I do miss him. He, it's not like I have a void in my life. I don't. But he completes me. I talk about it in the book, the, the symmetry of our brotherhood and how when I, even when I hold his hand, his little hand 
fits in mine so so beautifully and it just calms me down we used to call it rubology <laughs> <laughs> the science of brotherly love yeah the science of brotherly love just go for a walk with rubes and you'll he'll soon sort you out <laughs> and you know in in this tour that we're doing in the signing bit when we sign books and speak to people afterwards we're hearing from a lot of siblings and a lot of parents with children one of them has down syndrome rejoicing in the fact that that we're a tight entity and that we really cherish each other and they they wish they they say to us i we hope this will be the case for our children mm. and i think it's very prevalent actually with i know so many siblings with a brother or a sister with down syndrome who just rejoice in in that sibling and that sibling brings so much joy and understanding to their lives you know the book is difficult it goes through some very dark periods in our brotherhood but at the in the end it's a hopeful book and it ends with a big question mark really is rubes going to be okay and we're seeing that you know he really is yeah so final word then ruben um what do you, what would you want people who listen to this to know about manny your brother <sighs> Everyone loves him. <laughs> Including you, right? <laughs> yes. One finger up for yes. Thank you to Ruben and Manny Co. Brother Do You Love Me is available from all good bookshops published by Little Toller. For support as a sibling, head to sibs.org.uk, which is an excellent charity offering support to brothers and sisters. I'll go and get Ruben's multicoloured dream coat. Yeah, please. Oh, wow. <laughs> Where did you get that? That's amazing. You're going to wear it to an event, Rubes? I think. Well, maybe. How does one accessorise a Technicolor dream coat? <laughs> he has a golden little shoulder garment. Little shrug. Little shrug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a huge thank you to our sponsors, Find My Past, who are offering you the chance to start your family tree for free. Head to findmypast.co.uk to find out more. That's findmypast.co.uk. Enormous thanks as well to Tanita Tickerham for letting us use this amazing song. Additional research this season by Rachel Oakes and sound design, as always, by Nick Carter at mixonics.com. I'll be back next week with more sibling stories to share. There's a good tradition of love and hate Staying by the fireside There's a good tradition of love and hate Stand by the fireside, another rain may fall Your father's calling you, you still feel safe inside Only your ma's too proud, your brother's ignoring you You still feel safe inside oh, Was it solo, was it yesterday, was it true for you? Cause while all the rest have taken time, it's didn't do catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 